Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. You're listening. Good morning. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM can always listen online at our website petro.com it is wednesday it is december 14th it is also it is uh it's one of those days it's not a good anniversary but it's an anniversary i remember because it is the 10 year anniversary it was december 14th and it was 2012 president obama was in office link chafee was the governor and on that morning, it was the first time I was on Twitter and using the app Twitter. And it was the first time that I was able to report on and do a story. I was down the dial. My time slot was 9 to noon. And I suddenly started to uh, notice that there were some reports coming out of Connecticut, Newtown, Connecticut. And... um and and that something was happening at the sandy hook elementary and then during the course of i think it was the final hour of the show and we didn't even do crazy time i think it it was right around that time that we started to uh, play out it was the first time i had used twitter it was the hartford current was big and then the different connecticut accredited news people and in real time started to break out what exactly the events that were unfolding and what had happened at at Sandy Hook Elementary. And then there would be, you know, two minutes where there was no update and things going on. And so you know we'd have to follow it in in that manner and then it would be like a flurry and we did it and i did it in real time and was trying to really went into news mode of explaining what was literally breaking out very cautious on reporting certain things we knew something had happened we knew something very significant had happened and now then the the days after that, um, you know, we learned, the world learned of the horrible, horrible incident, massacre, shooting took place at that Sandy Hook Elementary in Newtown, Connecticut. Who was responsible? 
the aftermath of that. And here it is on the 10-year the anniversary. Some of the reporting on that has been um, really remarkable. And there's a good piece in, the, in this morning's New York Times where several of the state troopers, there was a state trooper especially who was essentially the first one on the scene. And... And the first one on the scene, and they're so careful to, um, many of them haven't done interviews afterwards, and they, one of the, the conditions is they so want to make sure that people understand that it was a team effort. But I was just reading a piece about it, and a number of the children uh, hid in a bathroom, and the trooper who's going in notices an empty classroom, and the reason it was an empty classroom is because 15 children were trying to hide in a small bathroom that was discovered by the gunman. Uh, they described as a fantastic piece, as I said, in this morning's New York Times of one of the parents right before they were going to demolish the school said, you know what, I do want to see the school. And the trooper that discovered the children went along with them and 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 the, the parent asked how many shell casings were found and they found 80 shell casings just in that classroom folks and i also want to um go back to it's hard for me not to mention just how it is it is unimaginable alex jones and and the people that were defending alex jones you know he the fact they had to bring him to court and get him to admit and how long he was staying that it, the whole thing was a false flag. I'm not going to dwell too much about that part of the story. But as I've said, there's something wrong. There, there's no question. There's something wrong with people that believe that was false. And more, more importantly, believe that Alex Jones was saying that. So it's one of those things that so much, I, you know, there's been more improved school security since then. It's still unimaginable, those tiny children. I, I come back to, I've had people over the years make the argument that they they should have. And there was a good discussion about this on um, in the media after one of the recent school shootings, that if they had released some of the footage, because you got to keep in mind, they had the medical examiner, they had the first responders on the scene. If people ever really saw what what were the effects at Sandy Hook, there would be tremendous changes, reform, and people's attitudes would change. I think it's interesting that they choose not to show the public. And yet, you know, in many ways, it, it, it kind of numbs it and people don't fully see it. I think some of the people, especially that were, and there were people I know defending Alex Jones for what he was doing to the parents it, it's 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 inexplicable i mean it just is um i i think if they had to see the footage of what it looked like people would have a, a completely different reaction to it you know it's funny now you know because 9-11 happened in real time they couldn't shield people from that so everyone got to see what happened with the planes in those buildings um what if they had footage of it and then we weren't allowed to see it i i don't think the reaction i i know the reaction wouldn't have been the same and so but today is the 10-year anniversary 
I mean, I we, we are fortunate we're a part of the country. Now, that is the closest Rhode Island has been to uh, a school shooting of that magnitude. Most of the time, it takes places uh, takes place in other places. As a result of that, they have law enforcement, they have drills. Classrooms have drills. They've come a long way. Uh, instead of shelter in place, now there's a feeling they should fight the person, throw things at the person. You know, the different people have come up with different ways the whole situation with adam lanza and and um and it but but it it is one of those days that i'm going to talk about what's going on locally and the big battle with the homeless and they want to sleep out at the state house i think governor mckee's actually on the money by saying i just don't accept there's all these people there there's there's like all these tents there's really maybe nine people and they're being supported and encouraged by these homeless advocates to stay in the fight to not give up the advocates are almost like coaches on the sidelines telling these people to do it so we're going to talk about that and a lot more folks it's wednesday we're going to talk to dan mcgowan of the boston globe right here on the john DePietro show next time you have an emergency think at med urgent care two locations 1524 atwood avenue johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 post road east greenwich right across from felicia's at med urgent care when you have an emergency they specialize ambulatory medicine they provide immunization school and sports physicals at at med urgent care they provide comprehensive outpatient health care individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atment urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms they also do adult vaccinations laboratory testing atment urgent care when it's an emergency 1524 atwood avenue in johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 post road east greenwich online at admedurgentcare.net we're speaking with columnist from boston globe it's dan mcgowan and dan i am uh, very anxious to hear your thoughts of uh, kind of unprecedented to me the way uh the rhode island department of education ride was swinging back on twitter kind of hey the teachers union if they're going to be in the gutter the aft you're going to go in with them that press release i had to read it three times to make sure that it actually was saying what i thought it did uh this is uh, 23 i but i i would say aft when you could bring in weingarten that's i think they're maybe the strongest union i mean any rhode island runner up providence firefighters runner up but this is uh what's playing out right now i'm not sure if people fully understand that they, we're on the verge of just a complete full-scale war yeah i mean look the power of the aft right in the american federation of teachers it, it is so broad and, and so important because it's national power you mentioned you and i for years have talked about randy weingarten right yep. probably the most powerful or one of maybe the three most powerful union leaders um in the country right it has joe biden's ear um, you know, help to block Gina Raimondo from being the uh, health and, and human uh, or the, the health secretary, right? Um, uh, you know, 
and then agreed that she was, you know, she's kind of supported her uh, slightly to be the Commerce Secretary. But, you know, she's the person that gets a call on these things. And when she comes to town, you know, you get a thousand teachers in front of your, you know, on the steps of City Hall or on the steps of the State House. That's yeah. why they are, you know, so powerful. It's, it's less about the local, more about kind of that national, you know, uh, brand that, that Randy Weingart has. I think Randy Weingart also has a good relationship with a lot of the national press. And so people give her the benefit of the doubt in a lot of ways. And that, that relationship thing is the thing that I just keep thinking about here locally. It's, it's really interesting because I was thinking about this just before you and I got on the radio. It's, it's almost like the teachers, the teachers unions tend to have this really, I think intelligent strategy. It can be infuriating, but it's an intelligent strategy where you know, everybody loves a David versus Goliath story. They always play David, even yep. though they're actually Goliath. Yes, that's an right? excellent point. And, and what I mean by that is everybody starts to feel bad for teachers when they say, hey, you know, we didn't know about these school closures. How come they're not telling us? And quite frankly, it's true. The Department of Education and, and the Providence School Department, they haven't handled the rollout of the, uh, you know, the school closures particularly well. The thing is, is that you also have to keep in mind that the Providence Teachers Union has, as I've said week to week with you, obstructed every single element yeah. of the, the, the state takeover of Providence schools. So maybe you feel bad for them in this moment. Maybe the communication hasn't been particularly great. At the same time, you can't just completely forget. This is what I would urge lawmakers. They're going to have Angelica Infante Green, commissioner in this week for House Oversight. You you got to remember that, you know, the, if you're going to hold the, the state leaders and the, the school department, you know, take them to task, you've got to also at least look at the other side of this and say, wait a minute, you know, is there a reason they communicated really poorly? Well, yeah, every time you tell anybody in Providence Teachers Union leadership something, they're immediately going up to the state house and trying to get it killed by their friends, you know, in the General Assembly. So that's right. You've hit it on the head. This is the battle of 2020, uh, 2023. I think it was also the battle of 2021, interestingly. Yeah. Right? They were such a factor in McKee's first year in office. And then, you know, things play out. You get into an election cycle. For a little while, the teachers were at least slightly happy. They got their contract, that kind of thing. But now everything bubbles up. Now you've got, you know, Governor McKee has to negotiate a new teacher's contract. You've got this school closings thing that's going to be ugly. Uh, you do have the Board of Education chairmanship that's up, and, and you got to figure out that job. So there's a lot of moving pieces around a topic that is, you know, relatively unsexy, right? The, 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 the Getting the schools right isn't something that is always top of mind, but it's going to be in 2023. Yeah, McGowan, and I want people to understand just what a force this Randy Weingarten is. I don't know if you saw, but Mike Pompeo, so any Republican looking at 2024, they're trying to look for a lane. And the governor of Virginia is certainly trying to carve out. He's kind of yep. the education guy, one on that. But Mike Pompeo, has, has uh, he declared Randy Weingarten is the, the biggest threat to American society, more than, you know, MAGA and Trump coming back, more than China. And he has challenged her to a debate. He has carved out. He's going to make her his enemy. That's his role. Or I should say the lane almost that he's going to go in into 2024. That's how dominant she is. Dan McGowan, what about the relationship between Brett Smiley and, and Governor McGee? Because right now, you know, it, it, Smiley to me has 
kind of laid out that he's listening to those, you know, the outgoing mayor, former mayors. He's willing to take this on. Does Governor McKee have the stomach for it? But what about the relationship between the two men? You know, I look. I don't. I don't think Brett Smiley would ever admit this. I. I would. Uh, <laughs> I bet my house that he didn't vote for Dan Democratic right. primary for governor. Right? Sure. I would say he. I'm sure he voted for Helena Folks. Um, right. That said, I think he's smart enough to understand that. Uh, that you know, you want you, you don't want to have. It's one thing if you're the the Democratic mayor of Providence and you're fighting with the Republican governor like Kachiri or something like that. It's another thing when two Democratic mayors or a Democratic mayor and a Democratic governor are, are in office together. You, you very rarely saw Gina Raimondo and Jorge Lorza fight. In fact, I think Gina mostly just you know did whatever she wanted and, and Jorge Lorza kind of had to uh, deal with it. I think the dynamics change here a little bit because, I, quite frankly, I think Brett's uh, got a little more respect both in the inside, you know, baseball community, the people, you know, the laborers and the unions and, you know, lots of folks like that. I think Brett Smiley is going to be a very formidable mayor, at least at least as we start out. Um, and I think you're not going to be able to walk all over him at the statehouse kind of the way, you know, Ramundo did to Alorza. So what does that mean? Well, look, we've seen the way it's meant. We've seen the way Governor McKee kind of handles um you know, sort of relationships kind of outside his comfort zone, usually not particularly well. No. Um, I think he's going to try his best to work with uh, the mayor of Providence. I think he likes the idea that he and Brett Smiley are probably more aligned than he and uh, Jorge Lorza were. But I-, I wouldn't be surprised if you very quickly start to hear as, as Smiley gets his, he gets comfortable in that office. Um, I think you're going to see for the first time in many years, I think you're going to see a mayor who's, uh, who wants to do a lot of, you know, interviews. I think you're going to hear him speak his mind a lot. I think that's going to frustrate the governor in the end. Um, the question that I have when it comes to the schools, which is the biggest issue is, you know, at what point does the governor throw up his hands and say, you know what, we're going to give it back to Providence. Right. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I don't think Brett Smiley wants that. I think Brett Smiley likes the idea of, coming into office, you know, being able to monitor the Providence schools, being able to critique when, you know, when he feels necessary. But I think he likes the idea of that not being, you know, on his plate all the time. It's really nice. Uh, and I think this has been the way it is for Lorza too. It's nice to be able to say, guys, thanks for asking, but not my problem. This is the, you know, the governor, this is the commissioner. You got to ask about this. Um, you know, that's a, a huge headache and a huge burden that kind of comes off the shoulders of the mayor of Providence. So it, it'll be interesting. My guess, if Brett Smiley serves two terms as mayor, which is what he'd be term limited to, um, a moment in time in those days where Providence will you know, go back to controlling its own schools. But I, I'm skeptical of it being right away. In fact, we talked to uh, Speaker Shikarchi yesterday about kind of his plans. and saw that. Yeah. yeah. And he was pretty clear that he's he's not sold that the schools need to go anywhere right now. He thinks that, you know, the state deserves more time. Um, so he, he education is not necessarily his favorite issue to talk about, but he is not yet ready to say, OK, let's blow everything up uh, all over again. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals 
help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401 434 1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com folks joining us right now the guy is a, a scoop machine for crying out loud let's start off once again he's modest about it but dan mcgowan of the boston globe has a new scoop he actually has a very interesting very intriguing column but uh in roadmap today and that is the next move and act for outgoing mayor jorge eloza Yes, the mayor is going to be uh you know obviously he's wrapping up his two terms and he'll be out of office by uh, what January third, I think, and so he's going off to teach at uh, at Roger Williams University, where he used to teach. He used to teach uh, in at the law school there, so he's going back there. Um, not a huge surprise. I kind of thought that he would go back to teaching at at some point. What I'm more intrigued by is he he keeps saying that he's still open to kind of other ideas. I've heard, you know. I've heard he wants to work with people like, and this is, gets into my column today too, but I've heard he wants to work with Helena Folks a little bit on uh, some sort of education type program or nonprofit advocacy group type thing. Um, so he's still exploring other things, but his immediate next act, like where he's going to be drawing an income, will be from Roger Williams University School of Law. And Dan McGowan, uh, one thing about, well, one element of Mayor Lord's leaving office, he's leaving with the the lowest, the crime rate is the lowest it's been in years. So in many ways, he's kind of leaving on a high note. He is. You know, it's interesting. I, I thought for the last year, and really ever since he decided not to run for governor, I'll give him credit. I think he has been, you know, we, we could all disagree with sort of the, the issues he pushes. But I think the last year he's had a really focused administration. They've really yeah. tried to. You know, uh, again, reparations being like the big conversation. You again don't have to like it, but he got it through. Kind of rammed it through in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, said he was going to do it. My biggest critique of him for years. I wrote a scathing column about him about a year and a half ago, saying the guy never gets anything done. He just moves right. on to new things. To his credit, I think he, I think he really focused the last year. You're right. You got crime down after a really high homicide year in 2019. You've had a low, relatively low violent crime, you know, and, and property crimes this year. Um, you know, I think he is he is leaving in a better place than he was. You know, I think if, if he had run for governor, I think it would have been pretty ugly. I don't think he would have had a chance to win. Um, and so, you know, the other thing to remember, he's leaving with $975,000 in his campaign account. Um, the only thing you can do with that is run for office. He, he will run for office again. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised. This will make people pull their hair out a little bit, but an open office four years from now, attorney general, something I think uh, he, I think he would like to consider. So keep an eye on that. You know, you're always going to have a chance at governor. So, um, I, you know, he's going to be involved in politics in addition to this job at Roger Williams. Now, Dan McGowan, you've written a very intriguing column that uh, Governor McKee should consider Helena folks. That's a high post for education. I, I am uh, very intrigued, Dan McGowan, at the way everything is aligning right now. Allures of that press briefing with uh, Brett Smiley, outgoing, well, new incoming uh, Mayor Smiley, uh, Joe Paolino, Angel Tavares, Right now, Governor McKee holding firm, education commissioner, superintendent of Providence. Boy, the battle lines are really being drawn with the teachers' union. But damn my God, Helena, folks, I don't think she lives in Cumberland. I think she lives in Narragansett. Could Governor <laughs> McKee actually consider someone who doesn't live in Cumberland? That would be a very interesting choice if that would have happened. Or, I mean, let's give, let's be fair to him. The Blackstone Valley, right? Right. All right. Blackstone Valley. <laughs> uh, no, but you, you, it's, a, it's a legitimate concern. Uh, you know, and, and I float this idea, as you said, in, in my column today, I say, you know, how about Helena Folks for Board of Education chair? That's the, like you said, high profile job part-time it's the job barbara cotton for for real you know focused people who who know the name it's the job she just left uh uh, to go to washington for um and this is overseeing everything in education from you know pre-k implementation all that universal pre-k money that's out there um all the way through the public colleges right you got to get rick uh, figured out that, you know, they're, they're, I think they're actually are steadying the ship there with that new president, but, um, you know, th- that job oversees everything and it oversees the most importantly, perhaps the takeover of the Providence schools. Uh, you know, my take on this, it, look, it's hard. It's hard if you're the governor, you're, you know, appointing your enemy. We all hear, you know, Lincoln and team of rivals. It, it's much easier said than done. It's much easier you know, to uh, read about it from, you know, 200 years ago, as opposed to reading it, you know, you know, actually implementing it. So I get why the governor is going to want kind of his person, but talk about something that, you know, this is a, this is a woman who came very close to being the governor. She yeah. clearly one, cares. One day you know, of, one day of voting. One day of voting, probably if she had an extra week, probably, you know, pull through wins the race. And obviously given what happened in the general I think she would be clearly the next governor. Um, you know, she cared about education, campaign trail. Of course, her, her you know big pitch was, I won't run if the test scores don't improve, that sort of thing. Um, and understands, I mean, this is, you know, her, her pitch as a candidate was, you know, I work at CVS. I understand big budgets. I understand moving pieces, you know, lots of people. I mean, that's the education system in Rhode Island or, you know, across Rhode Island, right? If you're overseeing everything, you really do have, you know, you're, you have to pay attention to, you know, the little things that are going on in some of the smaller districts. You got to pay attention, obviously, to Providence and everything else. I think it makes a lot of sense. The thing that's most intriguing about my column, which I'll admit, this was just an idea on a whim. I was like, this sounds like an interesting thought. She got back to me and she said she'd be interested in the job. Wow. Um, which I think puts the little puts the ball, you know, in in Dan McKee's court now in, in a lot of ways because it's not like he is ob- certainly again, he's not obligated to hire her. But guess what? Now that Helena Folks, the former, you know, CVS uh, executive, the, you know, near governor he, he, here in a lot of ways, 
now that she has shown interest, he's got a lot of pressure on him to pick somebody who is highly competent, yeah. uh, you know, for that job. This is not one of those jobs that you can say, you know, to, to one of your buddies, uh, whether it's in the Blackstone Valley or elsewhere, hey, you know, you, you, do you want this gig? Now, you know, we're going to measure whoever gets the gig against Helena Folks. You know, it's, there's so many different parts of this, Dan McGowan, from, I mean, he potentially could be picking his successor, someone who could have tremendous success, right. who would then, you know, essentially take him out uh, in a Democrat primary four years from now. But the other side of that coin is she could go down in flames, That's become right. the unbelievable enemy of the teachers union. You know, I know first, well, not firsthand, but someone who was right there. The debate, I think at Johnson and Wales, that Democrat Channel 10 debate, when uh, Bob Walsh, NEA Rhode Island, walked up to Bernie Bonanno, her dad was there, and what I was told was Bernie Bonanno basically told him, like, why don't you get lost? You're supporting that guy over my daughter. Now, granted, AFT is not NEA, but they, they endorsed Nellie Gorbeas, so That's she right. has no allegiance to the teachers' union. No allegiance to the teachers union. I think I, I do trust that she would want to do, you know, roughly what is right. Um, by the way, to your to your point, I think you just hit on something that's that if I'm Governor McKean, I'm playing a little bit of the long game here. I actually think you put her as the as the chairperson. You know, you want to have your fights with the you, you, you're always going to have some fight with the unions, even even if you're in the bag in some ways for the unions. There's always going to be something that comes up. Let her kind of be the face of that. You're yeah. right. It could hurt her politically. The thing about this, if, if I'm the governor, is, is also, look, if the governor does the job he thinks he's going to do, right? And all governors come in. They all think they're going to do a good job. Nobody ever right. says, I'm going to be unpopular when I leave office or, or, you know, in four years. If Governor McKee does everything he thinks he's going to do, then Helena Folks has no path to beat him four years from now. It's right. very hard to beat him in a primary if he's got all the union support, kind of all the institutional support, even all the party support if he's a relatively popular governor. Um, and so it's, a, you know, he, he unfortunately, the kind of the way I think Governor McKee sometimes thinks, he would treat this as, oh, my God, she's my rival. You know, she, what, what is she doing? What is she plotting against me? The truth is, again, her success is your success if you right. if, if you put her in that job. And again, you can distance yourself if, if you know if you end up in a fight with the unions that you don't like. By the way, you can always fire her, right? You can always sure. There's lots of angles that, that you can play here. Um, my guess, just and this is completely based on just my my own personal kind of opinion here. I think it was a savvy move by Helena Folks to say she's interested. I think she knows he'll never appoint her. Uh, or, or even ask her. Um, I'm not even sure she actually would want the job, but I thought it was a really savvy play to say, yeah, yeah, I would absolutely be interested in that job. It absolutely is. Folks, uh, much more ahead. Quick break. Dan McGowan, Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401 580 1852 limitless outdoors they specialize in patios walkways steps they did a fantastic job on my outside steps outdoor kitchens landscape lighting retaining walls lawn installations excavation call limitless outdoors today let's dream build and enjoy 401 580 
1852 based in smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy folks we're speaking with dan mcgowan of the boston globe and the globe today and all along has had tremendous coverage of this uh, continued battle that's going on between the homeless encampment at the state house and and governor mckee dan mcgowan what's happening right now we're watching happen is this a precursory to what we're going to see over the next four years with the mckee administration which seemingly you know there it is the problem's getting closer closer not do anything not do anything he went away for two weeks after the election and then suddenly he in many ways this is almost it's, it comes across to me like a self-inflicted wound that he's dealing with here yeah it's interesting it's, it comes across as a self-inflicted mo- uh, a wound that's exactly right i think the other thing it is, is and this is the, the, the rock in a hard place that you know government tends to find itself in you know I thought the governor wasn't entirely wrong when he said this week that, you know, the, the groups that are, you know, fighting him on this, they actually want people to stay outside. Yeah, he was, is right on that. It, yes. Yeah. It, it, and sure. It, like, is it hyperbolic? Do they actually, you know, want people to freeze? I think the answer to that is probably no. But do they like the statement that gets made? I think the answer to that is probably yes. Um, and, and, and I think the governor, you know, the governor is clearly very frustrated by that. But this is the challenge that the governor has. You know, on one hand, again, a little bit of truth to power there. He's not exactly wrong, but he, he almost gets more focused on, you know, who's mad at him as opposed to kind of trying to come up with the, you know, the broader solution. Challenge here, too, is there isn't the best broad solution. Um, it's it's not quite clear that there are enough shelters for every person out there, at least, you know, shelter beds, I should say. Um, it's, it's not quite clear there. They haven't done a particularly strong job as a state, you know, buying new property or building new properties to, to you know, expand affordable housing. That's something that Speaker Shikarchi is pretty concerned about. Um, but yeah, to answer your question directly, I mean, I, I think this is going to be, I think it's going to come up every year. It always comes up in the fall heading into the winter, you know, in the summer, this is still happening, but people don't get quite as concerned when, you know, people are able to stay outside. It's warm, those kind of things. But I, yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing that says that we're not doing, having the same conversation a year from now based on what I've seen. The, um, and folks, I, I was uh, really intrigued Dan McGowan by the piece that both you and Ed Fitzpatrick, six key issues with Speaker Sakachi. Uh, any insight you can give us on that? Number one, I liked it. it was the two of you talking to him. Um, I, I think he's right on the money. I liked, you know, he's he's very tactical. He's obviously cautious. I like the speaker. I think his words of, hey, we funded that position for housing. Uh, we're still waiting to see how that's going to play out. I think also his, he seemed pretty candid about voting. And I like he said, every time somebody comes up with an idea, you have to say, can this really be implemented? You know, it's funny. In the sitting with him yesterday, we were sitting with him about three o'clock yesterday afternoon, and and we uh, when we got into talking about the vote, you know, voting and stuff like that. I the way I set up the question was, I said, "Look, you and and the majority leader, Chris Blazajewski, you guys benefited greatly from you know early voting, right? You, you had the organizations. You both won by seventy plus points. Uh, 
you know, how do you feel? You, and and it, it set it up sort of in that in that way. And he came right out and said, yeah, but I've heard concerns from he's a Warwick guy. You know, the yeah. board of canvassers had some some concerns about the early voting period, how long it is. And I immediately thought of you as he started to talk about it, because I was like, oh, this is newsworthy. This is not sure necessarily is. the uh, the Democratic line or at least not the progressive Democratic line. Um, I think what he's going to figure out is probably he's got a lot of members in the chamber who also benefited from that early voting. And this is why I'm very, I'm always so skeptical about, you know, kind of reverting back because once these guys benefit from it, they have no reason to change it. You have to right. almost hurt them. It goes back to remember the, the old, uh, you know, the, the reason why we, many, one of the main reasons we have voter ID in this day is because some of the, the, uh, minority members, Anastasia Williams, um, in in others, you know, were were concerned about the way you know voting was happening in their communities. That's why we have a voter ID. That wasn't some red wave right. issue. That was a yes. Democrat led. That was a minority Harold Democrat. Metz, Metz and uh, Anastasia Williams led the charge on that. That's exactly right. And so, you know, I, all that being said, I thought it was really interesting. I liked that the the uh, that Speaker Shikarchi was willing to kind of. Uh, you know, suggest he was a little bit concerned about that. He's clearly uh, got got some uh, real concerns about what's going on with all this housing because he keeps saying, look, we, we funded <laughs> lots of programs. He can rattle off. We gave $10 million to the housing authorities. We gave $10 million to Crossroads. What's yeah. happening with all of this? Um, and, and I think one of the things he said to us, I don't think this actually made the final cut of our story, but it's something to keep in mind. He said, you know, the last couple of years, because we've been flush with cash, we've invested in lots of new programs, you know, lots of pilot programs, not just uh, uh, housing, lots of issues. And he said, this is going to be a year where I want to see results. I want to see where things, you know, worked, what didn't work, and what direction we need to go in in the future. I think this is going to be a year where you're not going to see a ton of new in the state budget. I think they all know they've got some breathing room. Uh, they, they know they're probably not going to you know, have a big, uh, a big deficit or anything like that. But I, with, with this speaker, I think he knows that, you know, it's coming down the line. There will be a couple of years from now where there will not be all this free money out there. Um, and he wants to kind of rein in spending a little bit to make sure that he's not in a position, let's say four years from now, where, you know, you're cutting $400 million in spending and everybody hates you. Because, again, the one thing about Gov or, uh, Sh uh, Speaker Shikarchi, he likes being liked. He's having a good run yep. as the Speaker of the House. He's very popular, both in the chamber, in his in his district. But look, you run when you run up against big deficits, that's when, you know, you're really challenged. I think he wants to kind of step out in front of that before those bad times hit in a couple of years. And what a difference in um, management style. I mean, Joe Sakachi, I mean, he, he, he brings in Senator Reed's chief of staff, Ray Simone. He brings places Montanaro with Henry Kinch. Uh, Ray Simone and Henry Kinch are two guys that, you know, they, they know how things work. Yeah, There's pros. not been a yeah. hint of scandal. And this summer when they had that Channel 12 story about someone working up there that, you know, maybe been involved somehow with a, a marijuana grow operation uh, on the side. Boom, gone within 24 hours. Um, he, you know, he's he's made a, a strong statement, and, and I think he's an important figure to watch in the new year. I do too, and I think he, I think you're right. I think he's very quick to, you know, to get out in front of things. Now, the 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 challenge that I was joking with him yesterday, the challenge that he has is that 
He has never had to be the speaker in really tough times. And that's all, that's again, the test of, of your real, you know, ability to lead. Right. Um, and, and so he's, he's been fortunate. He complains a little bit about, oh, I, you know, what, they had a, a couple of billion dollars to spend and they got, you know, 20 times as much in requests, but it's much easier to say no when you can spend a lot than it is to say no when you have nothing. Sure. Um, and so I, I think that's always going to be the test for him, but you're right. I mean, this has been a pretty good you know, really four year run for him um, or two year run, excuse me. Uh, and, and heading into the new term, I think he's, uh, you know, I think he's poised to continue to be really the, the true kind of uh, number one in the state, right? That he's the real governor in a lot of ways uh, just because of how much the budget you control and he can pretty much do whatever he wants. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the policy that get, you know, that does happen over the next couple of years, um, it's not happening without Joe Shikarchi's support. Folks, each day you hear me mention, and uh, he's, he breaks news in it uh, all the time, it's roadmap. And if you're listening right now, this is so simple. Uh, Dan McGowan's going to give out the address. It arrives in your inbox. It's Monday through Friday. It's scoops of what's happening that day. It is links to everything going on in the globe, whether it's the Patriots or the new uh, administration going on in, in Beacon Hill. And Dan McGowan, if you'd be so kind to extend that offer to everyone that's listening right now. Yeah, th- thank you, John. Uh, John described it better than I could. All you have to do, send me a blank email. I- I'll know what it is. You don't have to write anything in the subject line. rinews at globe.com. rinews at globe.com. I'll know what it is. I'll sign you up, and you'll start getting it for free first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan. Did great job, especially with the Helena Folks column. And well, I love that she called you back. Yeah, I'd be very interested in that. Sure, I'm in. That. <laughs> That's great. All right, we'll talk to you again. Thank you, Dan. All right, McGowan. thanks so much. See ya. Falcon Pest Services. 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today, 401 739 1322 free consultation 401 739 1322 locally owned and operated serving rhode island and southeastern mass they offer services for termites bed bugs ants roaches mice rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month Call Falcon Pest Services today. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. Residential and commercial, whether it's an office building, a school, a hotel, a restaurant, or your home. Call Falcon Pest Services today. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks, on this Wednesday, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipetro.com. Now, some of the news that's going on, the situation uh, regarding the, the homeless at the state house, uh, especially, I mean, let's all face, face it, the weather certainly gotten continues to get cold, even though it's a little bit of a warm day and some of the melting that's going on. Uh, but that, that has to be resolved. Now, from what I understand, the judges now, now it's going to bounce around in the court a little bit. Now it's, it's from what I understand, hearing this morning, moved to Friday. And then now it's, or pushed, I'll get all the details. Then it's actually being pushed to, 
to Monday. Listen, they, they can't stay there. And some of the things people are saying, well, you know, it's the people's house. They have a right to be there. You know, they're not, well, if that's the way you're going to treat it, then, then if that's your argument, then there's really would be nothing stopping them from moving inside the state house. And as much as whatever, the, as I mentioned, town hall or city hall, that, that's ultimately, you know, the people's house or whatever you want to call it. But that doesn't mean people should start have the right to start moving in. We have some sense of decorum here. We have some sense of these are places where people are working. But the Statehouse tent encampment case has been continued to at least Friday. No tents can be removed until at least then. So, you know, it, here's what I think is happening. The, the, you know, the temperature is coming down a little bit. And I mean the temperature surrounding the whole issue. Uh, the McKee people need to do a better bit, uh, a job of finding and, and I think they're trying to sort through how many people are there really that need a place to stay for the night. Now, again, we're we're fortunate that, you know, today the temperature is going to rise and then tomorrow and then rain moving in on Friday. And it's going to be somewhat mild. At least it's not going to be frigid over the next couple of days. But they have proved, you know, made their point And the McKee administration, they need to seemingly do a better job to just have these shelter beds available even though i don't i'm not convinced that it really solves anything and as we've talked about the demands everything's become the demands of you know and you hear people say that well some of the people don't want to stay in a shelter well what are we supposed to do when did we start taking orders what about fending for themselves there's a lot of different problems there's also different categories I talked about this last night on Facebook Live, like these people of, someone asked me the question, so you don't think we should help the homeless? Who's the we? No, I don't think there should be taxpayer money for that. I was just seeing that the the, the diocese, uh, the bishop's office has released a notice that my friend Paul Massey, they've donated, I think, 300000 or $350,000 to help those in need. Uh, through catholic charities heating assistance uh the, the, there are various nonprofit charity if if private companies want to help out the homeless and there are advocates for that i see it they raise money they have meals and they raise money to take donations and i mean all of that stuff is fine but no if you're asking me but like it's such a broad question so you don't think we should help the homeless no there are people i don't think it should be taxpayer money i don't think that that's a i don't think that's a controversial statement to make or it should not be but it also as i've mentioned we should help the homeless well there are people who seemingly could work there's different categories of it should we help people that have a drinking problem yes yeah, you have safety nets to try to help those that have a safe uh, a drinking problem. Should we have safety nets, resource to help those that, you know, develop some kind of a substance abuse problem? Yes, 100%. But mixed in with that, you have the people who, through no fault of their own, something happens, they lose where they're living, and they're suddenly, literally, out on the street or living out of a car. You have those individuals, and then you have people that say, you know what? not so bad i'm willing to game the system i have some money i crash here and there i like the freedom so to speak 
They don't hold employment, uh, bounce around a little bit, and they say, you know, it's not the greatest, but it'll make do for now. I was mentioning um, on Facebook last night that I received an email from this woman. She said her, her nephew, she said he's 31 years old, and these are her words, not mine. She said he's a bum. He's 31. He just wants to drink beer and play video games and smoke pot, and he won't work. And he had a problem, and then the mother kicked him out of the house because he won't get a job, won't do anything. And so then he was staying with a friend, but then the friend moved, so he's kind of wandering around. And then one night he crashed at a shelter. Another night he got a tent, and he did sleep out somewhere. And so now it it becomes that's what he's doing, and he somehow finds a way to get some kind of money, but he's just kind of banting around and crashes at this person's place and then stays at this person's place and and for the time being he's 31 years old he's not married he doesn't hold a job according to his aunt he doesn't have a serious drinking problem according to his aunt he doesn't have a serious drug problem he's someone that right now uh you know he apparently according to her he smokes cigarettes he smokes pot he drinks beer he doesn't want to work he wants to play video games and he sounds very irresponsible and very immature uh left high school back when he you know that was different he was 16 or 17 now he's 31 hasn't really accomplished anything doesn't seem to be serious about work i i don't know what someone like that should do i don't know enter the service try to learn a trade uh but but those individuals they want to want to kind of do that now i I recognize that's not everyone i think the employment issue though is an important one because a lot of people right now that it's all under the umbrella of homeless they instead they they find out about and by the way all the homeless tell each other oh do you know about this and you can get a free phone here and you can get a extension on your ebt card here and these people sometimes have hotel vouchers and blah 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 and um you have a number of people they know how to work the system they know how to get by because that's what they're doing they're not thriving they're not succeeding they're basically just kind of surviving uh almost you know day to day now when you have individuals they could many of them could live a responsible productive life but it's hard if someone does not want to do that and there is a difference you know there are people that are homeless out there when you see some of the especially more like on the west coast la san francisco they have serious drug problems they're literally getting drugs passing out waking up doing whatever i mean it's it's sad the human condition but it's not everybody and many of them are opting to just try to game the system so i think you have to kind of figure out both all right much more ahead folks on this wednesday you're listening to the john DePietro show the coincid in 226 coincid avenue in west warwick or an island tradition since 1977 delicious food great atmosphere whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge they can also accommodate large groups a great meal, a feast, is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them. 
All year round, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, they're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, DePietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube, or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, petro.com And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at petro.com And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, petro.com getting cold already this winter keep your family your employees warm with matthews oil company call them today 401-942-7500 matthews oil company 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401-305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie 401 305 3585, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you, if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique 
original stories, videos, content, log on right at the website, dipetro.com.